Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. I am Philadelphia Daily News columnist David Murphy, joined here by Inquirer columnist Michael Sielski. And we're going to be talking some Eagles football. And, and we decided to postpone the launch of this podcast until they actually looked like a Super Bowl contender. We didn't think we'd have to wait this long. We did not think it would be week five by the time uh, we were coming to you live, or plausibly <laughs> live, um, from the Inquirer newsroom. But here we are. And Mike Sielski, what, what did you see out of Sunday's game? I saw a team that, uh, you know, looks like the team we saw in the preseason a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's what I saw too. I wa- I just wonder, and we'll get into this in, in more depth, obviously, uh, whether this is a team that's capable of repeating this kind of performance against an opponent more competent and with better personnel than the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, the Eagles dominated up front. Uh, on defense against a Saints offensive line that was without two starters. Um, they they were able to run the ball against a defense that admittedly is not very good. Uh, all of a sudden, the problems with the offensive line went away once you play the Saints and um, so-called genius Rob Ryan. Although, you know what? Yeah, Rob Ryan, first of all, perhaps the most... Un- if Jeff Fisher was not an NFL coach, he would be the most overrated coach in the NFL, I would yeah, say. I would, I would agree with you 100%. And I, it looked to me... Uh, the little that I caught on the sidelines that Sean Payton might be starting to agree with us. <laughs> uh, there was yeah, they were, they were, the cameras were, uh, were quick to show that uh, tete-a-tete between Payton and, and Ryan. Yeah, I think you're right. And plus, it's interesting that, you know, all of a sudden Adam Schefter gets leaked some information about how, where Sean Payton might be willing to coach funny next season if he happens to be fired. So, yeah, there's a, there are messes and then there's the Saints right now. I'll say this, if you're going to wear your hair like that and dress like that on the sidelines, you better be good. I mean, Bill, Bill Belichick can get away with it, but yeah. you know your defense better be bringing something to the table, and and you know that that can't be overstated. And I think that's actually one of the concerns that I had from yesterday is that the wide receivers still can't get open. Um, you know, uh, my biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from yesterday's game was was Sam Bradford, and uh, you know I had two, I know he had two interceptions in the end zone. Um, the second one, yeah, I mean both were underthrown. First one was awful. Uh, but it, it's worth noting that it came a play after Jordan Matthews dropped another catch in the yes. end zone. And, and on the same play, Nelson Aguilar, you know, set an offensive pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Miles Austin, can he make a play? I mean, every time he's running downfield, no. he looks like he's stumbling <laughs> downfield. Um, so I, I, I thought the guy made a great play on the second interception. And, and hey, I, I really think those were the, the, the two worst throws he, he threw all day. Yeah, the, the first one is concerning to me because from, and you know this, from our vantage point at the link in the press box, it's funny because covering an NFL game, in some ways, it's almost advantageous to be at home because you get the benefit of replays and immediate insight from a color commentator who might know what he's talking about mm-hmm. if he's not Phil Sims. Or might not. Right. <laughs> but what was interesting about that particular interception was that you, from where we're sitting, you can see the pattern develop right. with Cooper, and you can see him open. And you're watching that going, where in the world does Bradford think he's going to be? Where is he throwing the football there? You know, what? I, I think that comes down to, and Chip Kelly has said, I, this is one of the, the few times I think Chip Kelly's not blowing smoke. It, it really is a mechanical thing with Sam Bradford. It's his feet. Uh, he doesn't step into his throws no. all the time. And I think a lot of that comes down to some hesitancy, some tentativeness in the pocket. And that's, Sam Bradford is not a perfect quarterback. Um, and I think one of the big reasons why is is his pocket presence. Yeah. You know, he he... Um, now keep in mind, he's replacing a guy who I think was even worse at that. Oh, absolutely. um, Yeah. But, but he doesn't step into his throws a lot. And and I think that's, he just has some mental, he has some mechanical hiccups and they just happen to come at two bad, on two bad occasions. You know, what's interesting about that is that, you know, 
And I would say, to, to answer your original question, you mentioned Bradford being the biggest takeaway. I do think Chip was the biggest takeaway after you know, coming off of the Redskins game and then Monday kind of putting the onus on the players to say, we need to execute, we need to execute, you know, really not looking inward at all. He spent the rest of the week saying, okay, this is a group thing. I've got to call plays better. I've got to do better. And then they came out and very clearly made some adjustments. They slowed some things down. They didn't play with tempo as often. Um, it looked like they got away from the inside zone runs that um, had been really damaging, um, you know, to the offense. They just couldn't get anywhere with them. But one of the interesting things I thought they did was that they they moved Bradford out of the pocket. And in the, in the few instances early in the season, I remember a, a throw to Zach Ertz and the, the week three win over the yeah. Jets in particular, he's looked at his most comfortable generally when he had been on the move. And they designed some of that and put that into the game plan yesterday. And that really helped, I think. It, it just it made Bradford look more natural. Like, I'm not sitting back here like the guy I was when I got my knee torn up twice. Let me get out of here. I can always run out of bounds. I can throw the ball away, but I'm not a sitting duck. And he was able to complete some balls down the field doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's all, I think a lot of the times it's like a free throw shooter uh, versus yeah. a jump shooter. I mean, when you're when you're when you're loose and moving around, a lot of times it's easier to to repeat your mechanics mm -hmm. instead of when you're standing there, you know, stationary. Yeah. Um, and Bradford kind of looks like that kind of Cliff Lee actually. Uh, he was a lot like that where where you know he would get in one of those Reggie Miller grooves and just. You know, mm -hmm. paint everything. Yeah. But then he'd he'd have a three or four game stretch where yeah, he, everything he, was just out of whack. And exactly. once he found that flow again, and you know, moving a guy around, getting the blood flow and letting him play loose mm -hmm. uh, instead of playing up tight. Yeah. And I do think too, I mean, we mentioned we've already referenced it a couple times, but the fact that the running game was not completely incompetent, right. um, which I know is, you know, a, been a big bone of contention with you, something you've written about right. quite a bit, and and rightfully so, you know, they got they 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 made gains with the running game. Um, I still want to see Ryan Matthews more often than I do DeMarco Murray. Uh, just looking at the way they run, I'm not quite understanding why DeMarco Murray gets 20 carries and Ryan Matthews gets only eight, especially when Matthews gets 73 yards on his carries and Murray gets 83 on his 20. Mm -hmm. um, but be that as it may, that's kind of a happy problem in a way that, okay, we got both these guys going and now we got to figure out how, you know, who gets the ball more often. I still think that when push comes to shove, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm more comfortable handing the ball to Ryan Matthews in, you know, over the course of the game, and I wonder how that's going to shake out over the course. Yeah, of I the think season. we can both agree that that there's, we haven't seen much reason yet why Demarco Murray should be the feature back uh, no. in this offense. In no. fact, you would you would, it reminds me a lot of what the Lions were doing with Joyke Bell. Uh, Amir Abdullah would come in and and you know break off a 15 yard run or a 15 yard catch, and then they'd give Joyke Bell two carries for zero yards yeah um if, and, if you know if anything what they ought to do i think is because murray has excellent hands and mm -hmm. he's a good receiver if you want to flip-flop their roles make murray the guy who you know the, the similar guy to sproles who you're going to throw the ball to maybe give him 10 carries out of the backfield but he's the guy you want him on a wheel route you want him in the flat that sort of thing M matthews has you know manos de pietros i mean yeah. he's he's dropped a couple i don't know what that means hands of stone oh, okay. <laughs> um, don't you talk latin to me <laughs> Um, you got to read up on Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray uh, Leonard, pal. Um, but yeah, Matthews is going to run somebody over. M Murray is not running anybody over. And, and you know, I wonder as the season goes along if we're going to see a kind of subtle shift over time in their it, roles. Yeah, it's funny for people who haven't watched a ton of DeMarco Murray. He, for me, he's always been a guy that for a power back, for a guy who looks like he should be a power back, and for a guy who put up power back numbers last year, uh, he, he runs very, I don't want to say soft. I, don't, I think that's an unfair word to label a football player with, but he just, he doesn't run like a power back. You know, I think it takes him a while to get going. 
Um, you know, Matthews clearly has the burst and, mm-hmm. the, and the first step. He, and right now it's looking like that's what you need in this offense, correct? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and what's interesting, getting back to the power back issue, is a couple times now, you know, Matthews lowers his head, mm. you know, and we can get into, you know, that could take us into head injuries for forever. But, right. but he says, I'm coming after you and I'm going to run over you if I have to. Murray jumps. Murray, you know, will come after a linebacker and leap at him as if he were, uh, you know, a hurdler, like he's Edwin Moses yeah. or something like that. And that is, that that's not indicative of what a power back is supposed to be. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing you could say is Ryan Matthews has had a long history of of injuries. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, in San Diego, that was always the big thing with him. It wasn't necessarily that uh, he wasn't a productive guy, although he, he wasn't nearly as productive as he's looked this year. Uh, he would always get hurt, you know, yeah. just when he was on the verge of, of becoming that back that they that they moved up for, um, you know, he would get hurt. And and that's the only thought I can come up with to explain why. But, it, but I mean, it was noticeable yesterday. Either defenders are moving slower when DeMarco Murray is in there. Right. Or DeMarco Murray <laughs> is moving slower. That's and, right. And that's you can right. see it, especially when, you know, on back to back plays, you know, you'd be like, why is Ryan Matthews running so slowly now? Now, oh, that's DeMarco Murray. Yeah. You know, no, that's right. And it's it's. The other interesting dynamic to me is, you know, I, I've always suspected, and, and maybe you come at this differently. When I think of the reasons that the Eagles got rid of LaShawn McCoy, that, that Chip wanted somebody else in here, I always think back to a play in the game, the first Eagles lost last season in San Francisco. There was a play late in the game. You know, they, they had that last-minute drive to try to take the lead, and it ends up failing. Foles can't find anybody in, in the end zone. But on a first-down play from the five-yard line, McCoy runs – four yards to the goal line and gets stood up mm. at the goal line. And Chip didn't throw the ball again the rest of that sequence. Didn't give the ball to McCoy, had Foles try three play-action passes, and they it, they don't work. And I always think of that play whenever, we, you know, people talk about, why did they get rid of LaShawn McCoy? Matthews is that guy who is going to get that extra yard. He's the guy that they have right now who's going to get hit by that linebacker and say, you are not bringing me down a yard short of the end zone. Um, and I, like I said, I just wonder, A, if that's true, if you shot Chip up with sodium pentothal, if you would admit that that was part of the reason he right. got rid of LaShawn, and then B, if those situations pile up over the course of the year, do we continue to see Matthews in those positions? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to give Chip Kelly a pass. I, I tend to give Chip Kelly, the general manager, a pass for, mm-hmm. for the DeMarco Murray transaction, um, but I don't give Chip Kelly a pass for sticking with him if he right. continues to do it. You know, right. I, I, no, don't get me wrong. DeMarco Murray has attributes and, and, you know, can help this team. Um, but clearly, you know, it's not, you don't have to be a professional scout to know that Ryan Matthews is the guy that fits this offense better uh, right now. But I, I going back, I give Chip Kelly a pass for the move because I think, uh, I think Frank Gore completely screwed their entire off season. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably true. I mean, it's, it sure looked like he was here. Everybody thought he was here and then he wasn't. And he is that kind of runner. And yeah. actually Ryan Matthews, is a similar runner to Frank Gore, a little little more burst. But but Murray is not that. You know, every time everyone says oh, he's a one cut runner who gets downhill quick, he gets downhill uh, and he's tough to bring down at times. But he just doesn't like you said. He doesn't have that burst. He doesn't hit the hole. And and like you said, that's that's the whole reason they got rid of Lashawn McCoy. And and I think I think they maybe panicked a little bit with Demarco Murray. Mm. Uh, but that still doesn't explain why. Um, you know, if he continues to get fifteen to 20 carries a game it, it doesn't really explain that yeah i mean let's be honest here i mean yesterday was the aberration when it came it comes to murray's season i mean up until that point matthews had been the more productive back and it wasn't close 
So for all the complaints about the Eagles' offensive line, and rightfully so, they, the line was playing terribly, but Matthews was still productive behind that lousy offensive line. Murray was not. Right. And so you can say, well, that's coincidental, or that's the that's based on the kind of plays they give the ball to Murray and the kind of plays they give where they give the ball to Matthews. Maybe that's all true, but it doesn't change the fact that it wasn't working when DeMarco Murray was getting the ball. And it doesn't change the fact that yesterday it worked better when Ryan Matthews got the ball than so, it did with DeMarco Murray. So what, I mean, what were some of the offensive linemen saying in the wake of the win? Because as you said, you watched that game and I don't know exactly what the Eagles ran. I just know that it did not look like what they were running the first four weeks. They, they were, they're actually, there were, there were formations, um, there were packages and there were, there were plays, actual plays where you looked down at the field and said, I, I'm not sure if I've seen this before. Whereas that was not the case the first four weeks. No, and, and you know, I, I talked to Matt Tobin earlier in the week about it, and he said, you know, we're going to simplify things. We have to. This is what you do when you're one and three and things aren't going well. And, and you had written a really good column and made a really good point within that column a few days earlier about the idea of Chip's, you know, quick tempo and the idea of, well, when you have second-team guys in there right. or you have guys who are struggling along the offensive line, you don't want to speed the game up for them. You want to slow it down because right. – they need a little more time to, to collect themselves and understand what they're doing and make the play that that is far easier for a first-string guy to make. So uh, I think they did all of that. You saw Bradford under center, I think, 17 times yesterday. Uh, and he I, I'm not sure of this. I'd have to check. But I think he even threw the ball after having been under center, which, if nothing else, adds a little more unpredictability. A, unpredictability to the offense. B, gives the linemen and the running backs a better chance of making something happen because it's just harder to run out of the shotgun for both the line and the run and the back than it is when you're the quarterback's under center. Yeah, I was I, I was playing around with with some of the numbers that the, the NFL compiles on on formation usage and personnel packages. And uh it was just amazing to compare the Eagles with with some of the other teams that are, you know, consider themselves playoff pretenders. Uh or playoff contenders, I'm sorry. Hopefully that was not a Freudian slip. <laughs> uh they, they run they run that three wide receiver one tight end personnel package eighty six percent of the time I think it was yeah. and and no other team is close to that um, I mean the Falcons for example are like every team's second most commonly used, frequently used personnel package was at least 30, 30 mm -hmm. or forty percent the Eagles was like six percent like eleven plays they've used something other they, they had used something other than you know three wide receivers one tight end um, and I'm not sure exactly how that broke down yesterday all I know is as I said I looked down and said. I haven't seen this before. This, you know, it, it just give give people something to to game plan against. You know, give people something to right. think about. If you if you make a line, if you make a, the more a defender has to think, the less impactful he's going to be. Right, and and the logic behind that, I think, is that Chip figures, well, if I spread the defense out, there'll be more space to run. But when you're lining up with Riley Cooper and right. Miles Austin as two of your three wide receivers. The defense is going to say, the hell with you. We're not spreading out to accommodate, you know, to counter those guys. You, and plus, you run out of this formation all the time. Why would we spread ourselves out? Well, yeah, I think part, I think there's a big part of the NFL starting to figure out a little bit what the Eagles are doing. And mm -hmm. it, not necessarily figure it out as if there's there's some magic bullet, but just understand how to stop them and, and understand yeah. what he does and when he does it. But I also think a big part, and, and the more I... The more I look at these wide receivers try to get separation, the more the more I think this is a bigger part than I even gave it credit for. But they were just blessed. They were hashtag blessed that <laughs> that first year in his system. Yeah. I, you had five offensive linemen that did not get hurt. Uh, you had two wide receivers who were drastically better than than the top two wide receivers this year. Um, 
Uh, actually, you didn't have Jeremy. Well, you Macklin. didn't have Jeremy Macklin. But, all right. Yeah. So the first, but even last year you had Jeremy Macklin. Right. The year before you had Deshaun Jackson. Your skill position, and you had a running back who could make something out of nothing. Right. Um, but the offensive line, I think, was the biggest. And you part. and you had the advantage of everybody learning and figuring out what Chip is doing, and they had, you know, they just they didn't have two years worth of tape on him. Yeah. So I, you know, I think they they I think they did some things yesterday that counteracted some of the things that teams were doing to take away the running game. It seemed like they ran we, they, they ran to the weak side a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they ran against the grain a lot. Um, it just seemed like they – now maybe this is Rob Ryan's defense. Uh, that should take credit for this. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I think it's encouraging. Now, that being said, what does it mean for the big picture? I mean, is this team suddenly a Super Bowl contender again in your eyes? No, not at all. I mean, look, take the other side of the ball for a minute. I mean, what skill position weapons did Drew Brees have at his disposal yesterday? None. Benjamin Watson? Eh, you know, and C.J. Spiller? You had half of an old Marcus Colston. Yeah, who who the couple of times he caught the ball didn't seem particularly excited about turning it upfield. Next week, Monday night, you're going to face the guy who's probably the most exciting, if not the best wide receiver in football right now, and Odell Beckham. And... Good luck to Byron Maxwell. Mm. You know, good luck to whoever is going to line up against that guy. So um, this this was, look, this is, I think we're all coming around to the idea that that this is the league as it is. It is a, it is cliche, but it's true. It is week by week by week. And it is, a, it is going to be a slog. There is not going to be a, oh, okay, this is going to click. And the Eagles are now going to run off four or five straight wins because now everybody's got confidence that the offense will work the way it's supposed to work. Uh-uh. Because... You know, it, it's just, number one, it's not the team they've been through five weeks. And number two, it's it's just the league is so parity-ridden and so unpredictable that, you know, Beckham could come out next week, catch 10 passes for 200 yards, and the Eagles lose 35-28. I will say, I I think Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, he made some throws. Yeah, he did. He, he did. Made, he made some very, very tough throws. Um, you, you mentioned the one to Zach Ertz. That, that, that stuck out at me. But, yeah. he, I mean... And there were even even more of his incompletions weren't off target. Uh, it was just got and and I mean his receivers had a chance. Mm-hmm. You know he he gave guys chances to make plays. Uh, his protection was phenomenal. I mean that can't be. Yeah. And the Saints have not been able to rush the passer since. I don't know. Ironhead yeah. Hayward played. There. Yeah. Did he play there? <laughs> yeah, he did. Okay. Um, but he was a fullback, so he yeah. wasn't run, rushing the passer either. <laughs> Ironhead Hayward might be able to generate more pressure than the Saints defense. It's possible. It's um, possible. But, um, uh, no, you're right. I mean Bradford Bradford looked better longer yesterday than he did in any game previously this season. And it, and it was, if you want to continue that, you know, off of the second half of the Washington game too, that's, that's fine. Cause he threw three touchdown passes in the second half of that game. So yeah, that's encouraging. I just, the interceptions in the end zone by the nature of what they are still worry me a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah, there's always this kind of, this anticipation that that Bradford's going to make a mistake, and and I don't know that there's, that's ever going to go away until, you know, they get themselves to the playoffs or they win a playoff game. It may never go away, but, um, you know, that's the thing. Is he getting better? Yeah, I think he's getting better, and I think, you know, if they're able to maintain this kind of um, continuity, I can't think of another word for it right now. But it's not about playing at the fast tempo. It's Rhythm. not. Yeah, just. Steady rhythm, mm. if that makes sense. You know, just, hey, okay, we're cool with everything. The offense looks like it's supposed to look. Nobody's panicked at this point. We don't need Sam to throw us out of this third and 16 situation or, you know, because we can't run the ball. Then, yeah, he's got a chance to, to look really good, I think. 
Yeah, I think the more I watch him and the more I rewatch him, I really think that he has he he does have the vision of a quarterback. I think he makes the right reads. I think all those times in those first few games when he looked lost and without anywhere to throw, it was because he did not have anywhere to throw. Mm. Um and I think he's I don't know if somebody came up to him at halftime of that Washington game and said, "Look, <laughs> these guys aren't getting any more open than they're, you know, you're just yeah. going to have to let them try to make a play." Yeah. Uh, because that's that looks like what he's done. I mean, he's thrown with a lot more confidence. Um, he's thrown with a lot more zip, even. Um, yeah. I mean, the underthrows, uh, the underthrows, notwithstanding. Now, you know, it's interesting. I I would love to pick some quarterbacks' brains about something like that. You know, because you know, for all the shortcomings that Bradford has had in his NFL career, you, you can't argue that you know he's played around great weapons, right? I mean, he had Tavon Austin for a short time in St. Louis. And that's pretty much it. And and you would be hard pressed to argue that the weapons he has on the outside now, and Cooper and Austin and even Matthews to a certain extent, are all that great. I mean, I like Matthews, Jordan Matthews as a receiver, but um, you know he's a slot guy. They, what they're asking him to do is ten yards turn around a, a lot of times and some deep crossing routes. Frankly, Jordan Matthews has been my dis- most disappointing player thus far. He's this just season. dropping too many yeah. passes. I mean, I really thought that he was he was he was in store for something special this year, and he just he. Bradford's given him the opportunity. But, yeah. I mean, how many drops is how many drops does a guy have to have before a quarterback starts? That's a good question. You know? Yeah, but getting back to that, I mean, you wonder how much that kind of infuses the way he plays. You know, the idea that, you know, I've never had this situation. You know, I didn't have Nick Foles supporting cast in 2013. I didn't have the new innovative head coach whom everybody else around the league was trying to figure out. I didn't have a speed burner on the outside who could outrun, you know, any too deep safety coverage i didn't have LaShawn mccoy in the backfield i didn't have two pass catching tight ends who were pretty good um i didn't have guys running wide open all over the place and um you know i wonder if he thought it was going to be guys were going to be more open in those first few weeks and and you're right something clicked at halftime of that that washington game where it was just like hey i i don't have a choice here i've got to throw the ball downhill this is as good as it's going to get and i I wonder how much of this is is actually due to what the the biggest thing he didn't have in his four years in st louis was a coach right um right i mean the shot shot brian schottenheimer (laughs) i mean you watch brian schottenheimer i did some personal Uh, i did the guy is not a very good offensive coordinator no he's not and you know again getting back to the truth serum analogy i would love Love, love, love to get Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez in a room together and overhear them talking about Brian Schottenheimer as a play caller. Um, you know, because he was part of the reason that when Sanchez was with the Jets, for instance, they totally scaled back their offense for him as a, you know, when he was a rookie and a second year player. The idea that, you know, this whole narrative being constructed about Mark Sanchez, that, well, he got the Jets to two AFC championship games, therefore there's something untapped there that, that maybe Chip Kelly can get out. No, Chip Kelly made him a, a better quarterback because Chip Kelly's a better offensive coach than Brian Schottenheimer or Rex Ryan, but that doesn't make Mark Sanchez anything more than, than what he is, and it doesn't mean that Brian Schottenheimer was going to turn him into anything. I mean, I just always picture Chip Kelly sitting next to Sam Bradford watching film and you know, pointing out what the optimal decision was, what the second most optimal decision mm-hmm. was. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And there's something to be said for that. There and, is. And I feel like Chip Kelly is probably the guy you want sitting next to you rather than, um, who was I watching Brian Schottenheimer coach this, this uh, Georgia. Weekend? Yeah. Georgia's the offense coordinator that, that Georgia. Not so well. Not so uh, well. It was great. I just, I, I, I kept laughing to myself. I'm sitting there just, kept, keep, I kept on seeing flabbergasted, shots of flabbergasted Brian Schottenheimer <laughs> on the television screen. <laughs> and I, I thought Sam Bradford somewhere was smiling, but I, Truthfully, that might be what we're seeing. We might be seeing a guy who's exposed to real coaching for the first time. 
um, or at least real offensive coaching for the first time uh, in his career. I mean, he might just be getting better. Yeah, it's possible. It's funny. I, I called, um, I didn't use any of these quotes, but I called Marty Schottenheimer last week to ask him about Bradford because presumably, and he was, he was around the Rams quite a bit with Bradford and he had nothing but praise for Bradford. And part he said, because his son, Brian liked him so much, but you know, he made a good point that, that Bradford's got all the requisite tools to be a terrific quarterback. You, you don't come away from talking to him saying, well, he, he doesn't seem particularly bright right. or, you know, oh, well, his arm isn't quite what it needs to be or, oh, his technique, you know, he, he's got a hitch in his delivery or, or anything like that. He just, um, it, it, it looks like it's supposed to look right. when he throws the ball and gets under center. And so if you have the right coach, a coach can work with that. Right. You know, he can, he can take that clay and mold it into something that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I, you know, well, I'm just, in, I don't think Chip Kelly did him any favors the first four weeks no. of the season by no, I with agree. what he did with his running game and his offensive line and his, that, that, that was the most baffling thing to me because it, it's funny, I've done a complete 180 on Chip um, I, in my opinion about him. I, when, when he first got to the NFL, I thought he, I thought this is what you're going to see. I thought you were going to see this just not working. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it, too simple. Um, you know, it just under, underestimates uh, the amount of, raw physical ability a team needs right. to to compete in the NFL on a daily basis. But the more I've listened to him talk, the more I've, the more I've watched him, I've, I've come away with the impression that this guy actually is a really good football coach. He really does know his stuff. Um, he's, he's not a gimmick coach. Uh, you know, he, he really is a bright guy. I mean, he's a, he's a quick-witted, sharp guy. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why it, it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that they took so long to present the offense that you saw. Yeah, well, I, I think part of that, and this is just me spitballing because none of us in the Philadelphia market knows Chip That's all what we that well. That's we should call this podcast spitballing. <laughs> um, that would have that would have been creative and good. Um, Unlike it, this podcast, which is mediocre and um, boring. We'll see. We'll see if it's we'll see if it's even recording. Right. You wanted now. to say boring, um, but he's had he's never not had success at any level of football that he's ever coached at. He's never had the two and eight season as a first year as a Division one head coach. He never had the four and twelve year as a rookie NFL head coach. So when you've been a winner everywhere you've gone, and suddenly it's not working, I would think the natural instinct is to say, "Well, whatever I do is I've done before has worked. Right. I'm not going to change it right now." You know, the whole throwing the baby out with the bathwater line he had earlier this, you know, early last week. Um, but at one and three, with the season kind of on the tipping point here, um, you know, he changed. He made some adjustments, and it was, it was good to see. You know, he 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 he's done that in game, but it was good to see him do it midweek. You know, you saw that enough from Andy Reid over his fourteen years here, where they where it looked like a season could go bad very quickly um, if the Eagles lost a particular game at a particular time of the year, and they tended to win those games for all of Andy's faults. They tended to win those games and keep themselves kind of, you know, on the straight and narrow, so to speak, and. Uh, you know, it was, if you're an Eagles fan, it was good to see that out of Chip this week too. They were ready to play on Sunday, and yeah, it was a bad opponent, and yeah, it was a bad defense, and yeah, um, Bradford threw the two picks in the end zone, but they were ready, and that's what they needed to do. Well, they're two and three. Let, let, let's let's try to figure out what they're going to finish at since okay. we're so good at predictions. So they're yeah, we're awesome. Do you have them beating the Giants? <sighs> that's a really good question. I think they will. I think. It's, it, I think it's going to be a shootout. I do. I think, uh, you know, 
the way Beckham is playing right now, I mean, he is just, I think he's the most enjoyable player in the league to watch. Um, every time Manning finds him, it's, 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 it's to me what is the coolest thing in sports, which is everybody in the building knows what you're going to do. The opponent knows it, the fans know it, we know it, and you still can't stop it. You can't do anything about it because this guy is just that good. And so I think they're going to get theirs Monday night. I do think, though, that the Eagles will be able to score against the Giants' defense. Um, I just think from a personnel standpoint, um, the Giants are going to struggle to keep up with what the Eagles can do. And I think, you know, as adjustments go with what, you know, with what Chip showed he was willing to do Sunday, um, you know, I think he'll he'll adjust again if need be and, and they'll be okay. They'll get to three and three. I yeah, I have them going four and two or five and one over the next six games. Their their schedule, you know, gets doesn't get exactly um rigorous, let's there's no, put it. Besides the Patriots, there, there's nobody you look at and say, there's no way this team can hang with them. That's right. There's no Packers. You right. know, there's no you know, even the Falcons, you know, I, I, the Falcons are going to end up being the second best team that this, this, this team plays this year. Um, I mean, the, you're, you're looking at three, uh, three teams that are just dead in the water in a row and the, and the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, the Lions, yep. if they lose any one of those games, they're done. Um, the Patriots, it's a loss. Uh, Bills, you know, who knows? Hey, look, I've covered Rex Ryan teams yeah. where, where it went bad quickly for his teams. And that's what tends to happen. It's like a, you know, it's like a candle that burns really hot and really brightly for a short period of time. Um, and then when the, when the fire goes out, it's dead. And it would not surprise me to see the Bills limping into that game. And, and put by it this way, they, they are favored in that game. Yeah. They will absolutely be favored in that game. And then uh, I don't know about this Cardinals team. That's, that is probably the team I have. I have no opinion on one way or the other. I, I can't <laughs> figure that team out because I look, you look at them. You look at the, the roster and you go, oh, my God, how are they doing this? Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, Bruce Arians is a hell of a coach. That's how they're doing this. You also think they did this with Ryan Lindley, Lindley uh, the guy from Fordham. John, uh, oh, isn't Lindley's from Fordham? Or is, is Lindley the guy from Fordham? Yeah. Who, who else do they have? John, what's his name? Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's the name of every Cardinals quarterback besides it, Carson Palmer. It has, yeah, Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer, and John, what's his name? It's every, every quarterback in Cardinals. The fact history. of the matter is they went to the playoffs with that team. They did. And they almost won a playoff game. They did. Carolina's going to be, I mean, Carolina's 4-0. We're looking at Carolina. You yeah, know. see, I think they're the, I think, I just think that they're a, a true, a true uh, beneficiary of circumstance. But, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I think every team in the NFL is right. nowadays. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, we were, everybody was kind of relieved when the Eagles beat the Jets. And then they come back and lose to the Redskins. And and that there is a kind of double-barreled disappointment there. Not only do the Eagles not build on a pretty solid performance against the Jets, at least in the first half, but in a way, it really matters a lot less that they beat the Jets than they beat the Redskins. If they were, I mean, they're okay now. They've saved their season. They're two and three. They won a conference game. You know, the, the Cowboys have lost three in a row. The, the Redskins are two and three. You know, the Giants are three and two, but they're coming in and you can beat them and, and you know, you'll be ahead of them in tiebreakers. But those tiebreakers matter so much. There's going to be so many teams, both within, in the, within the division and throughout the conference, clustered around nine and seven, 10 and six, that winning games within your division and within your conference, just they matter more. And, you know, that's, that was what was so crushing to me about that loss last week to Washington was that it wasn't just you lost a game. It was that you lost 
a game to a team in your division who you should beat, who you are supposed to be better than. And those losses really hurt. I know Chip denied that yesterday at his post-game press comments, but he's wrong. They just do. Yeah, that was a, that was an absolute killer. Uh, I mean, look at the, if they go if they would win if they take four out of six against the Panthers, Cowboys, Dolphins, Bucks, Lions. That's six games, right? Yeah. Uh, Giants. If they take if they take four out of those six games, um, then you're six and five. Then you're six and five going down the stretch. Lost to the Patriots. You're six and six. That means you have to win. You, you win. You have four games to finish. Ten and six. Bills, Cardinals, Redskins, Lions. Or, I'm sorry, Bills, Cardinals, Redskins, Giants. Giants. And that's the worst case. I mean, that's, put it this way, I, I don't think this is, I don't think the circumstances are nearly as dire for this team as, as if they play the way they did yesterday against better defenses, I think that they are more than capable of, of 10 and 6 and even 11 and 5. Yeah, I mean, the flip side of this, and we haven't even really touched on this, is how the defense played yesterday, right. which was which was pretty darn well, again, against an offense that doesn't present aside from Drew Brees, doesn't present the same level of challenges that Atlanta's did or that the Giants will. Um, but, you know, you saw a pass rush finally. You saw Fletcher Cox, who just, you know, is is the best player on either side of the ball for the Eagles, and it's not yeah, it's not close. Um, he's just a terrific, terrific defensive lineman. Um, but, you know, you saw five sacks. You saw decent coverage on the outside. But, again, the, the Saints, you know, aren't running – Odell Beckham and Julio Jones out there. Um, we saw what Jones did, and we can all anticipate what Beckham might do. So, again, week by week thing, but the defense looked a little better too. Well, we'll find out. I think uh, I don't know. I, it's it's really tough to predict these Giants games. It is. I mean, look at the two games last year. I mean, the Eagles absolutely thumped them both times. Um, you know, the one Sunday night game where they shut them out, uh, and then the last game of the season. Obviously, it didn't mean anything, but. The Eagles move the ball all over the place at will against that team. So, um, yeah, I mean, these NFC East games are always weird. They just they just are. And you don't know if you're going to get really good Eli Manning or Napoleon Dynamite Eli Manning or what. So, you know, we'll see. But, hey, they've got a chance now. You get to 3-3, three and three and, and it's a whole new ball game. I call him Nick Foles, Eli Manning. <laughs> Did you see that line yesterday? Yeah, that was not not good for uh, slinging Nicky there. That was no. not good. And that he, apparently he looked really good the, the week before too. Yeah. At least that's what I was. I didn't see any of the game the week before. Yeah. Stop well, with my tots. I don't think. Uh, I, however, Sam Bradford looks. I, I I don't think Chip Kelly would would go back on that deal. No, um, no. I mean, Nick Foles fans in this town are kind of like Flyers fans in this town. No matter what you tell them about the reality of Nick Foles, it doesn't break their spirits and their devotion. And it's in one sense quite you know admirable admirable um in another sense it's completely crazy so every season do nick Foles fans pretend like the previous season didn't happen yeah pretty much wow i think so well it sounds like a fair strategy for this podcast if you're listening to it <laughs> pretend um, it didn't happen just pretend it didn't happen but for now i'm dave murphy with the philadelphia daily news i'm mike sealski from the philadelphia inquire and we're both we're both on philly.com give give the dot com a little love what up dot com see ya